Leona Gilloin, you are an Irish Jesuit, uh, recently returned from Rome, a conference you were at. You're the delegate for spirituality and in charge of Ignatian formation as well in the Irish province. Tell us about the conference you were at because Father General spoke and I know you were very impressed by what he said there. So what was the conference and tell us what happened? The conference was about the formula of the Institute, which is a very important document at the very beginning of the Constitutions, which is really the Jesuit rule uh, describing uh, the particularity of our way of living. You know, there are different religious orders. You've got Franciscans and Dominicans. All of them have a rule. And so this is our way. It's saying this is what defines what being a Jesuit is. But it's encapsulated the definition of the identity of Jesuits in that document called the Formula of the Institute. It developed, you know, there was a one that came out in 1540, which is approved by the Pope, and then there was one in 1550, which was kind of a slight development, and people like to compare the different texts and see what the development was. So it is a very important document in terms of what it means to be a Jesuit. And uh, it was Father General Arturo Sosa who chose the topic because of its importance. Um, there were different uh, topics suggested to him, and he said, "No, I want to take. I want us to talk about the formula of the institute." And there were many experts from different parts of the world who came to speak on the topic from different points of view, from a theological point of view, James Hamvey, for example, and then you had from a juridical point of view, Girlando, who's a cardinal, well-known canon, canon lawyer, and then you had uh, from a sort of a hermeneutical point of view, somebody who kind of looks at the text. You had uh, Bart. Gregor, I think is his name, who works over in Boston College. There were many different inputs. They were very, very rich and highbrow, I have to say, <laughs> quite highbrow. Were these all Jesuits? <laughs> yes, all the speakers were Jesuits, indeed, yeah, uh, with expertise in these particular areas. Yeah. And there were others apart from the ones I've mentioned. But the general's input was very interesting because he goes back to the sources of who we are and he shows the development of that process in the early days. As I mentioned, there were different formulations of the formula. But he links it into the 21st century and what it's saying about how we are to be now in this day and age. And that's really what, what is very interesting about his, his input. He said he went back to the formula of the Institute himself to kind of find a special light, he said, to help him to understand what Ignatius himself would have called our pathway to God. It's not the only one, but it's our pathway to God in the concrete to see how that would enlighten him in the context of today and the many challenges that the society faces. For example, the diminishment in numbers in the society, the loss of social importance, prestige and so on. These are painful, he says, perplexing occurrences in our time that affect Jesuits. Then, of course, the side effect of the abuse scandals, which are coming out drip by drip, he said, it affects the whole body. And so he goes back to the formula to try and find light that would cast light on these realities. And I thought that was very, um, very helpful. And the first thing he noticed, the, the greatest light, he says, is the phrase in the formula, which says the society wasn't instituted by human means, but it was the grace of the omnipotent hand of Christ is behind it. And that the means, therefore, for the 
ongoing work and uh, continuation of the society has to be spiritual. It, it is, he says, prayers, uh, masses offered and so on. Ignatius really stressed that and he said that is the most important duty of the superior general himself and of all superiors in the society. That the society needs grace. Um, to carry out forward its mission today. So that was one of the great lights that he saw. So beloved of Ignatius in the Tsuchipe, give me only your love and your grace. That's enough for me. Exactly, exactly. Just echoing exactly that. Give me your love and your grace. Yes, Ignatius was very conscious that he was simply a poor, humble servant. Actually, James Hanvey in his talk um, says the paradigmatic image of the Jesuit, because it was Ignatius's image, was of the poor and humble Christ in Bethlehem. He was a humble servant, discreetly present in the background. If he can help, he can help. And <laughs> it's a lovely image. But again, it brings us back to this theme of humility, which Father General really emphasised in Chalk. his talk. Humility, we need um, if we are to be the least society, that was a description of the early companions of the side, la minima societas, the least society. You know, I think it became the biggest male religious order in the church. So, you know, people would say, well, what was that about? But you see, the original charism was actually based on something very humble and poor. And uh, Father General speaks about this humility at quite at some length in his talk. In the context of the signs of epical change in our world, secular society says, you know, the whole thing of recognising cultural diversity, not as a threat, but as an asset, but also respecting spaces for religious freedom within that secular world. Um, he spoke also about the growing number of poor because of unjust structures. He says it's not just the poor, but those who have become poor in our time because of these structures. So they're kind of what you'd call the new poor. Also, of course, naturally spoke about environmental issues, which is a risk to the world's balance, um, which also leads, as we know, to forced mi migration of all ages and conditions. People are forced to leave their home and their country. He spoke about the increase of violence in our world, not just wars and racial discrimination, um, but new sorts of violence like human trafficking and organ trafficking. And he said that organ trafficking is probably one of the biggest businesses in our world today. And he spoke in terms of, you know, how shocking all that is. Not something you hear a lot about. That's amazing. One of the biggest yes. businesses. He says that it is one of the most lucrative businesses today. That's what he said. He didn't give his sources, but I trust him. He's a sociologist by training, yes. I believe. Yes. So he wouldn't say things unless he had backing to it. He also spoke, of course, about the arms trade, the drugs, also violence growing through communication channels in technology. That's some very interesting because even in general today, people would say whether it's a post-COVID yeah. thing, but I've heard of people saying in, in, in shops and places like that, yeah. that staff are getting training here in Ireland yeah. about how to handle people who are really aggressive with them. And I think there yeah. seems to be a rise in aggression and yeah. anecdotally that yeah. certainly yeah. has been mentioned, but even violence on the streets, random yeah. attacks, yeah. attacks on women. It is certainly something that seems to be a feature of my modern society at present. Yes, I think so. And Father General picked that out. Also, you have using IT as a Absolutely. weapon, as a weapon. You know, we know that from HSE in Ireland and their computer system. So, yes, and there is populism, growing populism, which is aggressive. 
it's anti-establishment and so on and so forth. So the, he, he's right in putting his finger on uh, this growing aggression, violence, and he links it also with a post-truth society, the fake news, that too is a sort of violence, you know, against truth. And so very interesting that he picks all that out. So he comes back all the time to humility, like in his third point, <laughs> there are several points. It's a necessary virtue in our time, he, he says. He speaks about the form of being humbly submitted to the Holy Father, that it isn't our document. What they were really keen on was that, it, that our way of being, our charism, our contribution within the church was approved by the Holy See and therefore a guarantee that this is the work of the Spirit and not just our bright idea, our agenda. That was key for the early companions and for Ignatius. And that's interesting too because Ignatius is clear even from the very beginning isn't it, that they get the approval of the Pope. I remember seeing a play about St Ignatius and I was amazed at the number of times he was hauled in before the CDF. I don't know what it was called back then. Was it the Inquisition? Yeah. Yes. Probably. Yes. But he was always wanting to be on the right side. I mean, he didn't see, as he spoke the truth and what he was doing, he never seemed to resent having to account for it. No, I think he understood human nature. <laughs> Remember we had our friend um, Jose Maria Rodriguez Olaizola who uh, gave an interesting talk here on Ignatius uh, Saint for our troubled times. That's a Spanish Jesuit. Spanish Jesuit working in Madrid, yes. He was at pains to stress that um, Ignatius wasn't in any way Manichaean. He didn't divide up the world into good and bad. In the church also, he says we're all part of a mix of good and bad. You know, you see it in the exercises. You know, the first week is all about our sin and yet we're called and we're, we have high values and we want to follow Jesus and, you know, but he never kind of divided the world into people who were good and people who were bad. We're all a mixture, you know, so he would have seen that in the church himself. And so there was a sort of an understanding of human nature and also good and bad spirits working in each one and within the church itself. But I think his faith was so profound. And I think actually Pope Francis is a bit of that. He's not too perturbed, you know, that there is a there is a, a hand at work behind it all that will ensure that the good will ultimately... There are storms, you know, but we get through the storms. Mm. And I think it takes a person of profound faith to be able to live like that with a certain serenity in the middle of it all. But he would go to great human lengths to defend the good. When they were criticised in Rome in the early days, there were rumours and false rumours, fake news going around about the early companions. And Ignatius was very concerned about the mission because it would affect the authenticity and the integrity of the mission, which is God's mission. And so he pursued it with vigour and even brought the those who were spreading these rumours to court until his name was cleared. So you can see that he used all the human means to clear his name and the name of the society. The, some of the companions, you see, were going and giving the exercises in people's homes. And then rumours were going around about, you know, visiting women in people's homes, all that you can imagine, which would have destroyed their reputation. And so he brought it right out into the open and his name was cleared in the public eye. So you can see he's a very determined man. He wasn't afraid. He was a man who, who believed in God's grace, but also the human means. And there's always a great balance there in his approach. And that's why in the Society of Jesus there's such an emphasis on human means. Using all the human wisdom and knowledge and study and research and science, everything that helps us in our mission, which is God's mission. 
And that's what Father Sosa was explaining to you and, and illuminating in his talk. Was it solely for Jesuits? Did they mention lay colleagues? Absolutely. It was one of his important points that he spoke about the identity of the least collaborative society. Now, in Spanish, is la minima compañía colaboradora. No, how to translate that. But he is talking about collaborators with society. He's talking about those people who work with us in our mission. But he, he said something quite uh, striking. He said, uh, we don't have collaborators. We are collaborators. It's very interesting. Yes. So basically uh, trying to say that we are part of the same mission, which is the mission of Jesus in the world, so that we share that one mission from the Father in Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, so that it, it is a, a joint, shared collaboration in mission. He says that we need to go back and study that much more. He was encouraging the experts, he kind of put it aside, he encouraged them to study that. He did make a distinction, which I think is helpful for me anyway, between collaborators and workers in our mission. Collaborators share not only our values, but our vision. And perhaps our faith, which is rooted in the person of Jesus, the poor and humble Jesus, you know, so there's no question about that. It's in the exercises. But there are other people who work with us who don't share that, but do share our values. They share our values, maybe not our vision. You know, it is an important distinction. They also are very welcome, of course, to be part of what we are about. So there's a place for everybody, which is really nice. I'm thinking of the image that Pope Francis has of the polyhedron rather than the spectrum. The polyhedron is kind of a funny shaped sphere, you know, with all yes. sorts of different shapes and little smaller ones and bigger ones. And uh, Pope Francis emphasized that everybody has their place in the sphere. And it is a nice image of, first of all, the world. Everybody has their place, their contribution, however small or bigger it is, it doesn't really matter. And in the society itself, you see it in the formula, there is, of course, the grades which are discussed in the society. There are those who take three vows. And not everybody was given the fourth vow to the Pope, which is a vow for mission. It became a kind of a bone of contention in the society, kind of like a hierarchy or kind of those who were kind of, you know, more elitist than mm -hmm. others. Whereas one of the inputs during the um, conference on the formula, I thought was very good. Um, they tried to kind of equalize so everybody would get the fourth vow. And he said, well, that's a mistake, he says, because really Ignatius would emphasize that everybody has their unique vocation within a vocation. They have their unique talents and gifts, which are not the same as others. Some are good at administration, you know, and finance, and other people would be a disaster at that, but there are other people who are very good at the spiritual direction, the sensitivity to people and being able to, others in pastoral settings or working with the poor, and uh, I think that's very rich. So the polyhedron image, I think it would be one that uh, Pope Francis used, but I think Father General too would uh, implicitly freeze with. I'm going to just final question really does bear reflection that he said that the collaborators, we don't have them. We are. Collaborators. We, we are. It's really that's a quite a change in mindset, isn't it? You know, because having means it's all our way and you do it our way yes. and you learn yes. to help us do it our way. <clears throat> but if you say we are, then it's more of a two way process. Very interesting development that. Absolutely. And I think you can see it um, happening in the church itself through Pope Francis. Um, and I met um, Nathalie Becard. She's a French nun, used to work with youth for many years. She was a great sailor, you know, she was around sailing and she brought people on sailing retreats. So she's very creative. But when I was in Rome at this conference, she just was there for one of the sessions, I think, you know, who now has a vote 
uh, in the bishop's uh, synodal process. But you see that Pope Francis has brought her right in. So it's not that, that we have a person collaborating with us, but she is yeah. a collaborator. Now, I don't know what, how Father General is thinking about it, but uh, I'd imagine that he will be seeing decision-making possibilities for people who, in the society, um, taking leadership. Of course, we have in England, we have our own Ruth Holgate, who is very much a collaborator in the society, who works very closely with the society, who is very imbued with the spirit and charism of of the Jesuits. She is now the um, director of St. Binus of the Retreat House and she was the director of Retreat House before that. So you see that it is happening and it's not unreal, it's real. But clearly something that needs to be developed. It's opening out maybe only in recent times.